Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now. Happy Friday. Short show for you guys. It's a heads up. We are taking you to, what are we doing? Mariners here? Yes, Mariners today. <laughs> it's either got, Mariners or Coos. Look, Coos got, got eliminated. Back so and forth, back and forth. A couple things going on here. We're taking you to Mariners play-by-play live. So if you are listening to us later on the podcast, you're only going to see hours one and two. That's why you don't see three and four. And if you're listening to us live right now, you got two hours with us. So here we go. Let's get started. Bump, I would never normally encourage anyone to get back with an ex, right? Sometimes that can be messy. Be careful. You would Sometimes never it works. encourage someone well, no, to get back? Well, no, I shouldn't say that. Sometimes it works out. In yeah. fact, some of the best love stories are when people get back with someone that, you know, maybe the first time it didn't work out. Exactly. You know what I mean? Actually, my mother remarried her, my, my stepdad. I'm going to need you to start the whole show over there because you came in hot. I would never make someone get back with their ex. You would never? Ever, 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 you ever, ever. You you I know. Okay, that. you're right. You're right. You're right. I would normally never make anyone get back with their ex. However, some of my favorite love stories, including my mother's, involves involves people doing that. And including the Seahawks, it just might. Now, two weeks ago, Bobby Wagner was released by the Rams. It was a mutual decision to part ways. The Rams would be able to save up some cap space and they were badly. They were like 14 million over at the time. Meanwhile, Bobby Wagner, who didn't have a huge cap hit, could at least hit free agency and try to play for a contender because who knows how many years he has left. And he was really good for L.A. last year. So we were kind of talking about this hypothetical back on February 23rd when he was released. You and I were like, oh, would we bring Bobby back if the number was right? Blah, blah, blah. Would the Seahawks be interested? And there are three big factors we're going to talk about today. But we also got some news yesterday, Bump. John Schneider on his John Schneider show on with Wyman and Bob said this. We have been able to now. And so we were able to. Pe- That's them talking about Bobby. Now we were able to talk to Bobby talk to him the other day. And we had a great, awesome, frank conversation and. Yeah, so he knows where we are and we know where he's at. So, and now, you know, we have so much respect for him, uh, you know, personally and professionally. And so we're able to talk through some things and, and uh, yeah, we know where it's going. We know where it's going. Is where it's going to a reunion? Would you want to see it? I'd want to see it for sure, especially with uh, Jordan Brooks being down and now Ben Burkirvin is gone. So you have two linebackers on your roster right now, Tanner Muse and Nick Ballore, who's really uh, a Swiss army knife. Here's the thing. He knows where we stand. They know where he stands. They know where they're going. To me, that means, okay, here's your tentative offer. Go out there and see what else is there for you. And if you don't like your offers, you don't like which teams are interested, then come on back Mm -hmm. home and we shall take care of you. That's what I hear. I also hear, um, I wrote this in our email a couple days ago. Mm -hmm. This is a, my mom used to tell me, a grown folks conversation. (laughs) Yes. Grown folks. Grown folks is talking. You sit right there. We're going to be transparent with each other. And that's what I think needs to happen at this point of Bobby's career. He is his own agent. You've already had negotiations before. You know how everyone gets down at the negotiation Mm -hmm. table. You've done this before, and you're at the end of your career. So, no, I think that is a a positive vibe I got from John Schneider. I hope Bobby comes back, but he's going to go out there and see what else is out. All right, so I've got number, sacrifice, impact. Those are three things to talk about when it comes to Bobby Wagner, Wagner potentially reuniting with Seattle. Because, Bump, I'm with you. If the number's right, if everything works out, like, I would normally be all for ushering in a new era and being like, hey, the past is the past. Let's move forward. 
But Jordan Brooks's injury makes that a little complicated, as you've mentioned. Um, so, too, does the Seahawks' performance defensively last year and their sudden need with help on the um, in, in the front seven at inside linebacker in the interior of their defensive line. They were horrible against the run. Bobby was good against the run. They could use some help with the pass rush. Bobby had a career high in sacks last year. Now, he's not going to be your speed rusher. He's not going to be your premier guy. You said Uchen and Wosu, and I was looking up Uchenna's stats again last night. I was like, bump so right. Um, but you could absolutely use Bobby. This isn't like reuniting for the sake of nostalgia, taking a trip down memory lane because nah. it feels good. This is someone who can help you win more games than you did last year. But let's start with number. What's the number? Ah, what's the number? So he won at 18 when he was with the Hawks. Ends up getting, what, 12 to 14, I believe, with the Rams. I think right now his market value is probably somewhere between seven and nine. But what can the Hawks afford? I think they can afford four to six. That's the pocket I think they should be operating in. And here's what you do with Bobby, too. You don't treat him as your average player. He's mm-hmm. almost an executive of, of his own brand, mm-hmm. right? You sit down, you talk to him, and you give him realistic numbers. Look, this is what we can afford because this is what we're trying to do. At this point of his career, he deserves the conversation of what we're trying to do in the draft, yeah, how we see this team moving forward, that grown folks conversation, right? So, um, yeah, man, I think four to six is the okay. pocket, man. You save some money there. So you think that he could get, you know, Closer to like seven, eight, maybe seven, eight, nine. Seven, eight, nine. Mm-hmm. And you think that four, five, six could be a little closer to what the Seahawks are offering, which lines up with what you said about interpreting what Schneider said is like, we've given him a number we can do. Okay, so what's the number is the first thing. The second one is sacrifice. What's the cost? And by that, I don't mean the cost of re signing Bobby. I mean, where are you taking away elsewhere? And this is not just with Bobby. Any free agent you sign, any decision you make has a cost elsewhere because there's a salary cap in the NFL. It's the nature of the league. So you bring back Geno. Congratulations. You have a starter at quarterback, someone you know, someone who knows this team well and someone who started for you last year. There's familiarity. There is still a cost elsewhere. You bring back Bobby. Great. You've you've upgraded an interior linebacker when you could have Jordan Brooks gone for, I mean, if it's anything like Rashad Penny, the bulk of the season, right? Who Rashad Penny mm-hmm. tore his ACL, I believe, in December um, and then came back in something like, what was it, like week 10? I don't even remember. Sometimes this injury can take a while. And, uh, and you have some help there, but at what cost elsewhere? So I guess, Bump, when I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, okay. Let's say Bobby signs at the number that the Seahawks want, which is less than he could make elsewhere, but a number that the Seahawks would be comfortable with. Mm -hmm. It still gives them some flexibility, but might it mean one less interior defensive lineman? Might it mean you don't get a center in free agency and you have to draft one late, right? What kind of costs are we talking about and what would you never sacrifice? Um, Here's the thing is that you're going to have to get a linebacker, a couple linebackers, not just Bobby. You're going to have to sign somebody else. So it pulls away from your defense alignment funds for sure. Jordan Brooks's injury pulled away from a, a couple of funds mm-hmm. from the D-line and then another linebacker fund uh, because now you have to go and make sure that that second level is good to go. So I would say it affects everything. It affects everything they're trying to do because now you got to budget a bit differently. Um, I look at Bobby in this situation and I say if it's the right number, if it's the right mentality – if you're still able to address other positions, which you should be able to, yeah. then you go ahead and do it. You might want to slow play this Bobby thing, too. 
just to make sure that you go out and you get your free agent defense, defensive lineman or your free agent linebacker because, you know, these guys are going to be here more than likely more than one or two years. You want to sign those guys for two- to three-year contracts. Mm-hmm. Well, Bobby, mm-hmm. I would assume this is a one-year, let's just see how, how this thing goes type of deal. So um, at what cost? I can't tell you specifically where they're pulling from, but signing Bobby changes what they are capable of doing in another position. All right. The last thing, impact. And I mean on the field, yes, but also in the locker room. Uh, this is what's tricky about bringing Bobby back is you're bringing Bobby back as a former leader into a room full of people that have taken over those leadership roles. Before we get to that, I want to end with that conversation. Let's talk impact on the field. When you look at Bobby from last year, when you look at what Bobby can do, what do you see? I'm a, I see a, a capable linebacker. I mean, you go with PFF, PFF, he's one of the best linebackers in the league yeah. right now. Um, but there's no denying that Bobby's not the the young young buck he was 10 years ago. So the speed isn't like it used to be. Um, he's not getting downhill the way he used to be. But his 80% of himself... 95% of himself, 95%, it's better than what a lot of these linebackers are doing. So it's all about sacrifice. If you understand that Bobby's not going to play with the speed and the tenacity of a Jordan Brooks, then you're fine with it. But what he's going to do is he's going to make the tackle. Mm-hmm. right? It might not be at the line of scrimmage every single time. It might not have the violence that you're used to seeing. But, you know, he's going to align, assign correctly, and then he's going to execute. And at that linebacker spot, that is crucial. So I still think he's in a way above average linebacker because people would have to taper their expectations when it comes to what Bobby is really capable of doing. So um, and then the leadership, man, and that, that's the, probably the trickiest part of this whole thing yeah. is the leadership yep. because Bobby is an alpha. He's not going to come in here and tuck his tail and say, all right, man, well, Jordan Brooks, go talk to Jordan. Go go talk to Al. Go, go talk to Jamal. No, he's going to stand up in the team meetings. He's going to voice his opinions. He's going to hold guys accountable. He's going to show up early. He's going to leave late. He's going to set the tone for this football team in many ways. It's just that once Jordan Brooks is ready to go, once Jamal is ready to go, you know, is he okay? You know, not not riding shotgun. You know, you in the back, in the back seat, listening to the tunes, making sure all the snacks are good. You're no longer <laughs> the dude with a whole bunch of responsibility. And is he okay with that? All right, here's more of what Schneider had to say about Wagner, specifically when it comes to guys wanting to come back. Oh, I think it's flattering that, that that guys do want to come back here, and I think it's it's a it's a reflection of everybody in the building, whether it's Mo, Ek, you know, Stu, Dave Pearson, Strick, Sam, everybody in the building. I think it's a reflection on those people as much as it is on the player and the um, the culture that we have here that's been able to help them live up to their dreams and achieve everything that they want to achieve. You know, to your point about where guys are in their career, you always have to look at the landscape of the, of the whole league and not just say, yeah, you know, we're overly, um, I mean, it's Bobby Wagner, you know what I mean? It's like Dick Buckus, you know, like, I mean, this is Ray Nitschke, this is Kurt, he's Ray Lewis, these guys, you know, you know, you have to look at the whole landscape and, and then how you're, you're trying to help your team. It is really interesting to see some of these guys look back on their time with Seattle, no matter how it ends. And Bobby's wasn't like, I hate you guys. It was like, wow, I feel so hurt by the way I found out Mm. that I was going to be released, right? It was more of like a, it ended on a sour note, though I think that he had an appreciation for Seattle still, something he made clear. Um, But it is always interesting to see how some of those have come, those storylines have come back around. And I don't know that that's unique to Seattle. Like, I bet that that's kind of the case with some other teams, like not horrible organizations, but 
any solid franchise where there's been uh, a head coach there who was there early in your career or a GM or something like that, maybe some teammates, I would imagine, Bump, that there's this feeling of wanting to come back home for a lot of players. Yeah, you have to look at the coaches, like you mentioned, who have been there for a while. Yeah. So Pete Carroll, Tomlin, Andy Reid. Belichick. Well, Belichick. I don't know if anyone's like, oh, I miss Bill. <laughs> Harbaugh. <laughs> I mean, there are, there are a few coaches who have been there so yeah. long that – they could see the life of a career, the yeah. beginning, the middle, and the end, and then you come back. Uh, let me let me uh, clarify something. Paul Moore just texted me. Did you mention PFF? I didn't mention PFF to say that Bobby is this because Never, of Paul. PFF. Bob, I mean, Paul, listen up. <laughs> Paul, boy, your mission, man. Um, but, yeah, when you have organizations that have stability in leadership, when the owners, the GMs, and the head coaches – are the same. There's going to be movement with coordinators and assistant coaches and all that. Those are the organizations that are more likely to have guys come back because they see the league differently as well. The way Bobby saw the league in his first year to his sixth, seventh year to now is completely different. And he probably looks at Pete Carroll in some of those instances and say, dang, I know what you're talking about. It's like mm-hmm. when I left, when I left for college, it's just me and my mom. I cannot wait to leave. I'm not going to college, man. I'm not coming back. Mom, you don't know what you're talking about. And then three weeks into college, I'm like, damn, I miss my mom. She used to do so much for me. Oh, now I understand what she was talking about when she meant this. In that moment, I didn't get it. But when you separate yourself from that situation, you have a, you have a different lens on. And I think that that plays into Bobby's decision-making as well. Yeah. Is that he's an older fella now. He understands the game, understands the league, understands Pete. And because of the way they left – um, it's not unlikely that he comes back and, and straps it up. A couple I'm just more times. saying sometimes you leave or someone leaves and they realize life was better with that other person or they miss that other person or that other person just, you know, feels like home to them and then they get back. Sometimes there are toxic relationships that reunite that you probably shouldn't have. But, you yeah. know, b- Bump, I recant my open. I. I, again, I normally would say you probably shouldn't get back with an ex if it's just a comfort thing and you're not ready to move on. I don't know if that's what this is. Sometimes the ex and you kind of change and you evolve and you adapt and you realize that after a while, like, it, it, the relationship, you know, is in a healthy place now. And maybe you're ready to pick it back up. You know what you can do? You can hang out with the ex. No, you can't. See what's up. No, you can't. That's, that's what they're doing right now. They're hanging out. They're, you they're, think they're just hanging out? Hey, you they're think they're just hanging out, out right not now. thinking, man, what if Bobby Wagner could play for us? Like, that oh, would be yeah. really. You can't just be friends oh, yeah. with Bobby Wagner nah, if you're the Seahawks. You, can, you can't just hang out and kick it. You, Absolutely not. You've hung out with an ex before. We've all done it. Well, let me see what's up. Maybe maybe things are different. Let's Have you hang ever out remained for a bit. friends Let's with hang an out for ex? Let's see. Uh, no, my wife Lies. does not allow that. <laughs> She doesn't allow that. If I dated you, you are erased from my memory. I'm so sorry. I don't remember your name. I do not recall who you are. I've actually never dated anyone before. I have no exes. You are listening to Bump and Stacy. Uh, we've got, again, a short show today, so we're switching things around a bit. Uh, fun hype train segment at 1045. Mariners roundtable with Brandon Gustafson at 11. Wrapping things up to what I need to know at 1145 before we send you to Mariners game from uh, Cactus League play. Let's get to headline rewrite. Headline rewrites. We must make headlines. The real story behind the headlines in today's news with Bob and Stacy. 
Headline number one, the Seahawks with a pair of roster moves yesterday. They have released Gabe Jackson and linebacker Ben Burkirvan. What's the real headline? Uh, the Seahawks complete part two of re-signing Phil Haynes. Here's what I mean. Releasing Gabe Jackson saves the Seahawks $6.5 million against the cap. He was going to account for, what was it, like 11 or 12-ish million. So there's still about 4 to $5 million that's dead cap. But that's fine. Cap savings, great. Uh, Jackson started 15 games for Seattle last year. So on paper, it looks like you're missing a regular starter. But don't forget, he had the fewest snap counts of any offensive lineman, appearing in just 61% of snaps. That was in part because of a nagging knee injury, not because he couldn't get the job done. But that's why the team brought back the younger and cheaper Phil Haynes. He would frequently spell Jackson during these games, appeared in 44% of offensive snaps. So when Haynes was brought back, it kind of felt like the writing was on the wall for Gabe. Yeah, man, and Gabe is just up there. He's long in the tooth in the NFL. You know what I mean? He's an 31, God. Put him on the pasture. It's hard out there for him. He just couldn't stay healthy. And what that did, it provided Phil Haynes an opportunity to show this team what he can do. Now, signing Phil Haynes and dropping Gabe Jackson doesn't mean necessarily mean that Phil Haynes is going to be your guy, but it means that they're going to give him opportunities no matter what happens, whether they go and get a guy in the draft or they sign a guy in free agency. Phil Haynes has earned this opportunity, so good for him. And Gabe Jackson, I hope he gets healthy and somebody picks him up because when he is healthy, he's not a bad football player. He just couldn't do that this year. Headline rewrites. Headline number two, falling down 3 nothing, uh-huh. taking a 4-3 lead, and then blowing it at the end, losing 5-4 oh. to the Ottawa Senators last night. That's how the Kraken fared. Their five-game win streak is over. What's the real headline? A rare win for Senators in Washington. So congratulations to them. It is tight at the top of the Pacific Division. The Knights still in the lead there, 84 points. Uh, the Kings with 84 points. Uh, Leapfrog, they're up there. The Kraken now third, 80 points. Oilers with 80 points. I mean, there's thankfully a bit of a gap between the Oilers and Flames, and the rest of the Pacific Division is struggling. It's just a close battle at the top. Try to stay ahead of Edmonton. Uh, you know, take every opportunity to get ahead of, of the Kings and Knights. You aren't far behind. Um, but any loss is starting to get to a point where it hurts. I also, I read this uh, really interesting column by uh, uh, Jeff Baker the other day in the Seattle Times saying like, hey, we all know the Kraken are a playoff team. It's about like, can you win your division? Like how how competitive can you be in the Western Conference? Like it, it's about the next step after that, right? Like they don't have to prove they can be in the playoffs. They have to prove like, can you be competitive in the playoffs? And that's what we're watching for now. The important thing is still to get there, rack up those points. This one doesn't help. Yeah, it doesn't help, especially when you, uh, you're you playing the Dallas Stars in back-to-back games, I believe, or their next two games or two out of three, something like that. Anyway, Dallas is a, a good club, man. We talked to Andy I the other day and goes, look, they got to get this one. The Dallas uh, matchups are going to be tough. But when you're tight, when your division is tight and you're at the top of your division, every game counts. They can't win them all, but they win five in a row. All right, won five uh, in a row. They were go- yeah. Yeah, they won five in a row. Can't win them all. I understand that, but this is the one that you want. They got to take at least one of these games against Dallas. Headline rewrites. Headline number three, Sean Kemp had all charges against him dismissed yesterday following his involvement in a shooting at the Tacoma Mall. What's the real headline? This story came and went in a flash. It was initially going to be... Like a speeding bullet. <laughs> this story came and went in a flash, which felt like it crossed a line. But thankfully, again, no one was hurt here. Um, is it, a, you know, irresponsible in, in broad daylight in a popular shopping center for anyone to be using a gun ever? Uh, yes. Um, thankfully, no one was hurt. And this story, uh, which was like 
blasted all over Twitter because when everyone saw this, if you were like me, you were like, what? Sean Kemp in a drive-by? What the heck is going on? And now, just as quickly as it started, it's over. We got to start holding people who break news a bit more responsible. Drive-by? Drive-by was a wild. When I saw drive-by, I was like, wow. I I saw the video. There there was no driving. (laughs) There was no buy. There was a guy standing there. It was in a parking lot. Yeah, that was irresponsible. But um, I'm glad that it turned out the way that it did. When the news did break, I go, man, I hope someone was trying to rob him and he was defending himself um, because you can see that type of stuff happening. But good for Kemp. I, first, good for Kemp to get out of that situation, but mm-hmm. bad on Kemp for putting yourself in that situation. You send somebody to go get your stuff, man. You are Sean Kemp. You're 6'7". You're 300 pounds. Everyone's going to know who you are in that situation, man. Go send somebody else to do your work. Well, and sometimes just going after someone like... He's a big dude, so maybe he doesn't think twice about it. But, like, when your stuff is stolen and you know it's stolen and not just misplaced and not just, like, at a store and the lost and found, it's, like, going after it is a risk. And I'm not telling anyone not to do it. I'm just saying, like, that kind of stuff is also risky behavior because you never know who you're going to encounter. Like, there's a reason that if you've ever worked in retail, ever, which, unfortunately, I have, but also a great learning experience, they always tell you, like, don't chase after people if they steal, if if they, you know like steal merchandise and run out the door. Now you shouldn't be doing that. But the reason that they tell you that is because it's also a liability to you and to your safety for the store. So unless you're best buy employees, they stay stopping dudes at the door. Oh, Did you see that clip of the one guy that's got like the, he's pretty good. He's got quick feet. Yeah. Quick feet. <laughs> I think there was one also of a, a, a female best buy worker who just like yeah. depleted a guy. Yeah. <laughs> best buy. They don't mess around. Don't oh, steal. <laughs> Best Buy and Waffle House. Do not mess with their employees. Yo, the girl at Waffle House, when she had that chair thrown at her and then she bats it away. I'm not, yeah, I'm not messing with employees at either of those places. No, thank you. But yeah, I remember when I was working in retail, someone stealing things and I was like, I don't, I just have to stand there. Like you just, you know, you just wish them luck. <laughs> Have a nice day. <laughs> I mean, they eventually, like most people, like get caught, right? Like they track it, or yeah. they, you know, like you're trying to run out of the middle of a mall. Stealing in the middle of a mall is a bold choice because then once you leave the store, you have to run out of the entire mall. You got to be strategic. Paul Blart's going to be on you. He's on not going to let you get away with that. <laughs> All right, don't forget you can listen to us anytime and check back on the rest of the show if you miss it by subscribing to the Bump and Stacy podcast. That's wherever you get your podcast: Spotify, Google Play, Apple. Rate, review, subscribe. You know the drill. Coming up next, a question, um, well, a quote from Geno Smith and a story about Joe Burrow has us wondering if quarterbacks are going to start changing their approach to contracts. That's next. Bump and Stacy, Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Now, Geno Smith was on with us yesterday, Bump, for an interview, but uh, he also had a press conference. Boo, more boring than with us, but he said some important things. Uh, Here's from the presser, him talking about initially getting that deal done with Seattle and why he's especially happy about it. You know, like I said, I think the future is very bright for us. And so um, with the the contracts and the incentives, uh, it's just a way for, obviously, for both parties to, you know, make it work. Uh, it, It allows the team room and space to do what they need to do, but it also gives me an opportunity to be, you know, one of the top 10 paid quarterbacks, which is some something that I believe I am. And so with all those things, I think it worked out pretty great. And here's him talking more about some of that flexibility. Yeah, extremely important. You know, I believe in team. You know, I know how important it is for everyone to, you know, 
have an opportunity. And so, you know, I trust these guys. I understand that these guys are, you know, building a, a championship team, and, and that's what we're about here. And so, uh, you know, I really wanted to be a part of that, and I'm just happy that uh, we're able to find common ground that, that was balanced and worked for everyone. Now, Bump, I'm using Gino and Joe Burrow here as two examples, one who's already gotten a deal done, one who hasn't. But uh, both conversations, um, in the case of Gino, afterwards and in the case of Burrow before talked about is like, well, would they leave flexibility for the team? Um, they're two very different quarterbacks and seen as two very different quarterbacks. So on its face, it doesn't seem like a fair comparison. Joe Burrow is going to get like 50 million average annual value mm-hmm. with his contract. He's not going to be taken. Joe Burrow isn't walking into Cincinnati going, hey, guys, 10 million a year is fine. I just want to stay competitive. <laughs> Absolutely not. Nah. And likewise, you know, Gino's not going in there saying, you know what? Last year's contract works. Absolutely not. He was a pro bowler. He was comeback player. He's allowed to go in now and say, "Mm -mm, I'm a starter. You're not paying me like a backup. Um, So uh, there is, though, a conversation that stems from both about will quarterbacks start recognizing uh, more creative ways to structure a contract or even take interest in it? Because bump there's part of you that always wants to go hey get your money and also if you pay a quarterback it's on you to find solutions remember when Keyshawn Johnson was on with us and he was like it's one of my least favorite arguments he got so fired up about it he was like I hate it when people talk about quarterbacks getting paid or players getting paid and you can't pay anyone else you paid that guy that's why you have a capologist to figure it out but there is a part of me bump and I wonder if there's a part of you that wonders like is there a wall that's going to be hit is there a point that it's going to get to where it becomes like trendy to take these creative deals and allow flexibility i think burrow is gonna try to get his money for for sure here's the difference between joe burrow and gino gino's 32 he's been in the league for a while he wants his money but he wants to win as Mm -hmm. well he's been Mm -hmm. on some sorry teams he played for the jets he played for the Giants. I'm mm-hmm. not sure how good they were when they were there. He was there. He played for the Chargers, who do absolutely nothing. Uh, and now you got the Seahawks. is the most success he's experienced as a teammate in his career. He's 32. He sees the light at the end of the tunnel. He goes, look, yeah, I, I got to get my money, but I want to go out swinging. I want to go out with a bang. Here's Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow has just established himself as one of the best young quarterbacks in the game, best quarterbacks overall, and he hasn't really got paid yet. He's making good money. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. Don't get it wrong. He's making like what six million dollars a year or something like that. Uh, but he sees the opportunity to capitalize and really change the lives of his of his family and, and himself. Now, what I'm interested in seeing is, like you mentioned, will they be able to take these creative deals? To where, okay, you get a lot of in the signing bonus and your cap hit isn't as much. Or we're going to move money around your second or third year to make sure you get you get paid. We're going to throw some incentives in there to make sure that um, you get paid correctly off of your performance. I think that we will start to see more creative deals. I don't think it's going to be creative to the point where Joe Burrow's not going to be a top five or six highest paid quarterback. So when you look at it on paper, but as we're learning over the past few years is that there are ways to move money around to make sure that your guy is still paid on one end, but you have the opportunity to move things around maybe the second year, the third year and take care of them on the back end. So I'm not a capologist. I don't know the formula for that, but I think that these young guys want to win and they understand. Patrick Mahomes is uh, restructuring his, his contract. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah, I think that there's we're going to start seeing more creative options when it comes to contracts. Well, and it's a balancing act because I think that we, royal we, like to make it seem like, uh, 
well, a couple million should be enough. And don't you want to be really competitive and blah, 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 look at Tom Brady. But that's not always the most fair comparison because, well, there are plenty of uh, context things around Tom Brady that are, in, that are important at that point, including mm-hmm. the fact that his wife was worth like $300 million. Um, but also because guys deserve their money. I mean, look at Lamar. Lamar's the last pick of the first round, made a lot less than Joe Burrow, different draft, but is the first pick of the first round. And Lamar was an MVP, right? Lamar uh, was a huge part of his team's success. And Lamar deserves to get his money. And Lamar's also been making less money mm-hmm. as the final pick of the first round. He's not a seventh rounder, but he's also not Burrow. He's also not Trevor Lawrence. And so he deserves to make up for some of that, essentially like the bargain that he was giving the Ravens, as silly as that sounds. Uh, so you want to tell players, hey, Mahomes, you're worth a lot of money. Joe Burrow, you're worth a lot of money. Gino, like you're not a top five passer, right? But you are worth way more than you were getting last year. But um, the conversation feels like more and more it is leaning toward leaving flexibility. This is in part inspired not just by Gino's comments, but uh, mm-hmm. the Cincinnati Bengals director of player personnel spoke at the Combine a while back. And uh, there were quotes in The Athletic with him saying, Joe Burrow is very aware of the flexibility needed for teams and very aware of like the people that he, you know what I mean? Like he's aware of how important it is to have stars and to have flexibility. And so it's going to be curious to see what this deal looks like for Burrow. Cause if Gino is an example of like, Hey, here's a guy that is like a top 10 ish guy making room. Then Burrow's going to be an example of like a top tier guy, maybe making room. We'll see though. I'm glad you mentioned Lamar, too, because that he's in a category of his own. Yes. We mentioned Gino sees the light at the end of the tunnel, got his money, wants to win. You got Joe Burrow just starting his trip in this NFL journey, needs to get paid, understands he needs help. Lamar now is the dude who's just been tainted, jaded, and just disrespected. Who's like, look, first I was the last pick in the draft, okay? Um, then I come in, I win an MVP, I'm an all-pro, I'm, an, uh, I'm a pro bowl, I'm doing everything I can to help this franchise mm-hmm. win, and teams are throwing me to the wayside or are not being interested in me. So his mentality is going to be different. He's going in and saying, now I got to get as much as I can. Who knows if I'm going to win a championship? His mind might, might even be past championship being a priority, is making sure you get your money and you are stable, you're in a stable situation. So there's different scenarios for everybody, mm-hmm. right? But I think that it's going to take guys like Joe Burrow um, to set the tone and say, all right, look, I could have gotten this. I'm getting that, but the Bengals are relevant for the next five to six years. Yep. That's what it's all about when it comes down to it. You want to win, you're going to have to take less or take more of a signing bonus, make your contracts incentive-based, which if you give incentives to Joe Burrow, he's probably going to hit him. You yeah. give incentives to Pat, he's probably going to hit him. Josh Allen, probably going to hit him. There's about five or six guys in the league to say, all right, throw for over 4,000 yards. Easy. Mm-hmm. All right, throw for 30 touchdowns. Got you. All right, throw for over 65% completion rate. Or be rate. a first-team no all-pro. Or be a, be... Yeah, there's some guys who you can put in that contract, and they're good. And that's what I like about Gino. He's banking on himself. He goes, yeah, I, mean, I can throw for 4000 again. I can be a pro bowler again on trip. And I'm going to help the team out by making this incentive base. Uh, all right, we are going to uh, go Mariners for about 15 minutes with Brandon Gustafson of SeattleSports.com. Um, just kind of like we're going to talk some WBC, but basically cover all of our bases, pun intended. Uh, Brandon's going to join us in studio at 11. Before we get to that, though, heading to the station for Hype Train. That's next. 
Bump and Stacy. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. All right, 15 minutes, a uh, bit of a Mariners uh, roundtable with Brandon Gustafson. I've got questions, Bump has questions. If you guys have anything that you want to make sure we talk about, you're like, do not miss this topic, text it now to the Mac and Jack's text line, 866-979-3776. We're trying to cover our bases here, but we may forget something that you are passionate about that you need to know about, so you can text it now. Right now, though, let's head to the station for Hype Train. All right, my first hype train is one that we've actually talked about before, so I recognize that we've done a version of this train, but it's also timely because we finally got new information. When Bobby was released, I had a hype train saying, like, you know, uh, the Seahawks will reunite with either Frank Clark or Bobby, and, and we all thought, like, maybe that's a possibility. The difference now, though, is we heard John Schneider yesterday on with Wyman and Bob talking about the potential of reuniting with Bobby Wagner. We have been able to now, and so we were able to, Pete and I were able to talk to him the other day, and we had a great, awesome, frank conversation. And, yeah, so he knows where we are and we know where he's at. So, And now, you know, we have so much respect for him, uh, you know, personally and professionally. And so we're able to talk through some things. And, and uh, yeah, we know where it's going. Let's see if this adds more stakes to your decision to buy a ticket and board this train, the hype train. Bobby and the Seahawks will reunite for 2023. Bump, are you boarding? Well, they did with my family members do on Thanksgiving. They go into the kitchen, have the grown folks conversation. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's a song by uh, Peaches and Herb. Made in 1978. Reunited and, and it feels so good. Oh, I'm, I'm on right. the train, Bobby. Come on, baby. Come on. 54. Let's go. Okay. I was really staring at you. For, I let you down. I really let you down. That's it's, the second time, too. What was the fun. other one? There was like a movie reference where you said someone's parents. Uh, I'm going to have to find it. Someone shamed me on Twitter for not supporting you. Like they were like, you're a horrible friend. It's all good. It was probably one of those cultural things. No, we, I, we went no, across from time no, to time. I, I don't know that it was a cultural thing. We do stumble across those. I think it was like a, I, I don't know any early 90s movies because I don't pay attention thing. It was like a, a not, not even generational because we're essentially the same age, but it was my bad pop culture knowledge. Curtis, the hype train is given this new information we got from John Schneider yesterday that the Seahawks have talked to Bobby since he's been cut by the Rams. Bobby Wagner and the Seahawks will reunite this year. Boarding. The okay. hype train. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Great. Boarding. It's, it's going right. to happen. I mean, what other team has Bobby been linked to? None, None, but we know that the Seahawks may not have a ton of money to spend on Bobby, whereas some other teams maybe do. Yeah, but like I think- if you're, um, I don't know what Chicago's situation is, but like they have the most cap space of any team, and also their defense is horrible. But if you're Bobby Wagner, well, you would you never want to step yeah, foot. Exactly, <laughs> you wouldn't Soldier want to go Field. to the Bears. Miss me with that. Uh, yeah, I think it's, I think it's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I think it's going to happen. I mean. It just it seems like a foregone conclusion, especially with Jordan Brooks' injury. So that's why I'm bored of the train. Uh, someone said it was never watching above the rim. Correct, but it was actually something else, too. I've, like, thrice crossed oh, so there's, you. There's more. There's <laughs> multiple times I've let bump down. Uh, you know what? I wasn't going to board this train. Right now I am. I'm forecasting. It's not like a sure thing where I'm like buying a ticket and I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm You're so like confident in this. Yeah, like I am betting on this right now. I'm boarding it because I'm thinking it's more likely than not 
but I'm not fully convinced. And if the Seahawks had a ton of cap space, I might be. Um, I'm just wondering if somewhere out there, there is a team that's willing to pay Bobby a little more that's still competitive. Like, I don't know how many there are, but there may be one or two. Has to be somebody, right? You know what I'm saying? There may be one or two with just the right circumstances who could say, we know you love Seattle, but we got three more million for you. And he wants to win. And he wants to win. Exactly. Next type train into the station. Another day, another mock draft. This one from Danny Kelly. We've seen Bryce Young as the most popular first overall pick in mocks, but things are a-changing. Now, while we've seen some defensive players go first, including Jalen Carter, maybe his recent controversy changes that. He's still going in the top five in this one, but another quarterback sits atop the throne. C.J. Stroud will be the first pick of the draft. Bump, are you boarding? First pick of the draft. Right now, the Chicago Bears have that number one pick. Yeah, and Danny's involved a trade. trade out yeah. of that thing. If the Indianapolis Colts move up to number one, it's CJ. If the Texans move up to number one, it is Bryce. I'm going to say that the Texans are going to move up. Bryce is going to be the number one pick. Yeah. I'm not on that train. CJ, wait your turn. You'll get picked early, though. Seth and Fresno. Dang, Bump, can you bring that seasoning into these kinds of conversations? I don't have no seasoning. <laughs> I've got, you know, there's some garlic powder. She got some, she got a little sprinkles garlic in Garlic powder, a little bit of pepper. That's pretty much it, though. That's It's not plain, but it's not a lot. Yeah. Curtis, the hype train. Is it CJ Stroud will be the first pick of the draft? Are you boarding? I am not going to board the train. Uh, I am in agreement with Bump. I think it'll be Bryce Young being the number one overall pick in this year's draft. Uh, it just seems like Bryce Young is the ceiling is higher on him. I still think CJ Stroud could be a really good quarterback in the NFL. And mm-hmm. that performance against Georgia always replays in the back of my mind. It's like, man, that'd be fun to have a guy like that on your team. But. I think Bryce Young, the hype surrounding him, is just uh, too much to ignore right now. So that's why I think he's the first pick of the draft. I also think it's Bryce Young still. Whether it's Houston swapping picks, uh, whether it's another team, I just think that uh, usually a trend is a trend for a reason. If it's not Bryce Young and Chicago can't trade, I actually think Jalen Carter could be the first pick of the draft. Mm -hmm. I still think that's a very real possibility. Next hype train into the station. Well, our season didn't end that well. But that's okay, right? There's always hope for 2023. Although I guess it depends what happens on the coaching staff. And that is your hype train. Uh, UW men's basketball with another disappointing season. Mike Hopkins on the hottest of hot seats. Still with the school right now. This is your hype train, though. Mike Hopkins is coaching UW's men's basketball in 2023. He's got a $6 million buyout. So either you pay or you let him play. What was Jimmy, what was Jimmy Lake's <laughs> buyout? Coach. I know, Jimmy's but it's, it rhymed. It rhymed. $9 million. If they're going to get rid of Jimmy, who is now the associate head coach with the Rams, congratulations, Jimmy. Um, you got to get rid of Hopkins. Nothing good has happened since he's been there. He wrote the coattail of the coach before him with his recruits and all that stuff. Um, so I'm going to say he is not the coach. That means I'm not on the train. I mean, I'm, I'm not. That's I'm not correct. boarding. I'm not boarding. Not he boarding. is not the coach. All right. Uh, the hype train is that Mike Hopkins is coaching UW's men's basketball in 2023. Bump is not boarding. Curtis, are you? In a perfect world, he is not the head coach of men's basketball at UW next season. But we don't live in such a perfect world. And you know why I think he's coming back next year? Is because we would have heard something already following mm. UW's elimination. That's what I'm worried You want to have as much time as possible to conduct your coaching search. They got eliminated 48 hours ago and... It just seems like kind of business as usual for UW. Uh, we've seen Cal move on from their head coach, Mark Fox. We saw Stanford's AD say that Jared Hayes is coming back to Stanford next season. So, like, 
two coaches that were on the hot seat, one staying, one going. Mm-hmm. Like they've already made those decisions. UW hasn't done anything yet, which kind of makes me think they're just going to keep moving forward with Hopkins on the bench, which is rather unfortunate because I think this program deserves better. That's just kind of weird about it too. Is there's not, not even bored. like a it's not even like they've said we're keeping him. There's been no announcement and or, no sense of urgency whatsoever. I am I am you are boarding. You are boarding. You don't want to, but but you're doing it. All right, you guys, that will do it for Hype Train. We have one hour in the books, one more to go. Short show today. We're taking you to Mariners play-by-play. And speaking of Mariners, Brandon Gustafson of Seattle Sports joins us next for Mariners Roundtable. Get your questions in, 866-979-3776. That's next.